0: Blue Wire.
1: Osweiler in trouble. Osweiler brought down
0: Khalil Mack. Oh, here comes. Bullshot. Drifter without a helmet. J.J. Watt will always put his fingerprints on a game. Steps up, and he's going to be hit from the side, and he's going down. That's a sack. Darius Leonard, the maniac. Everybody. Welcome to the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne, and I'm here today with Texas co-offensive coordinator and offensive line coach, Coach Herb Hand, and uh, Coach Hand has been kind enough to to join me again. We're going to attempt to do this. We've attempted this uh, actually in the past, and it, it didn't work out for us due to some technical difficulties on my side, but but I'm really, uh, really honored to have Coach Hand uh, be willing to do this with me here. And I know all you guys are going to enjoy this to listen to this podcast. Um, Coach Hand, if you if you do listen to this podcast, you're probably familiar with him. Um, he's been in coaching for close to 30 years now, and he had a lot of success you know, early on last year, um, just in his first year, really, at, you know, at, at, at Texas, um, all his offensive linemen garnered all big 12 honors and um it you know things are just uh definitely on an upward trajectory there and it's really exciting to watch but but with that said um coach welcome to the show and uh, thanks for being here
1: well thanks for having me on i i, I really appreciate the opportunity and i uh, really appreciate what you've been doing you know through this podcast for the offensive line community and you know the guys that uh that coach it the position the guys that play the position uh, they really appreciate the uh you know, kind of the behind the scenes, if you will, and shining a light on on uh on what it's like to be an old lineman. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's it's definitely a pleasure and it's something that I love doing. Um but coach, I just wanted to kinda start, you know, in, in some of the, the ways that you started off, you know, in your in your coaching profession and just some of the philosophies that you incorporate into what you do and you know, I was reading in a little bit um you know about when you were coaching under uh, Rich Rodriguez and um you know I I know that at that time you were uh, kind of a, a zone based team at West Virginia and when you got together you kind of married a gap in a, a zone scheme together um, but, you know, it took a little bit of a, you know, time there for you guys to kind of iron things out and, and, and really incorporate both sides of it. And, and now, you know, with what you do at, at Texas, I, I know that you try to be, be as multiple as you can. Um, can you speak a little bit to what the process is like incorporating uh, different schemes into, you know, what you ask your guys to do and, and just kind of the best practices that you've, you've used along the way to make that happen?
1: Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, if you go back to, um, uh, you know, the time that when I was with, uh, with coach Rodriguez at, at Clemson and then at West Virginia, you know, we were, we were particularly at West Virginia, uh, we were primarily, you know, inside zone, outside zone based, uh, schemes. We ran a little bit of gap game there, but not, not as much as, uh, when, when, um, when I left West Virginia, went to Tulsa and became co offense coordinators there with Gus Malzahn. And, of course, Gus's background was uh, kind of wing tee based gap game, a lot of gap game, uh, gap game power counter, uh, pin and pull series, buck sweep uh, series plays. Uh, and so at, at Tulsa, we kind of married the two systems, if you will, and, um, you know, found a way to make that work and, and work at a really high level. Um, the the, uh, the the biggest thing when you start thinking about offensive systems and and what you want to employ and having a philosophy right is is to get married to it right and and believe in what you're doing number one but also have the ability uh within your offense to adapt and adjust uh to what your personnel uh is best at and um you know there have been times where we've you know, if you're if you're looking at from a run game perspective, where you know we we've been you know, almost almost fifty fifty, if you will, uh, zone and gap. There's been time where we've been more heavily zone uh, zone blocking. There's times uh, in, over the past few years where we, we've been heavily more heavily in, involved in the gap schemes, and um, so it just really matters, you know uh, what, what your kids are good at, what your players are good at and, and being able to develop, uh, develop along those lines. And, um, you know, but having that, that type of adaptability within your system to be able to, uh, to be able to figure that out. That's, that's, that that's a big thing. You know, we, we we're just talking, um, offensively here about that is, you know, the, one of the, uh, you know, the base fundamentals is, uh, know thyself. Right. So let's figure out who, who we, who we can be. Uh, and then you can worry about going out and, um, uh, uh, scouting an opponent and getting ready for, you know, for a season, getting ready for, uh, uh, on a weekly basis of developing a game plan to beat the opponent, but you have to know who you are first. And, uh, I think that's a real important thing. So you can't spread yourself too thin. Um, you know, the ways that we did it at, at Tulsa, we would, we would spend, um, you know when we were doing a lot of, of both at Tulsa and at uh, at uh, Auburn, uh, you know we we would focus on like zone schemes, for instance, on Tuesday practice run fits and gap schemes on a Wednesday practice run fit, and uh, that way you're you're getting work at both, and uh, you try to become proficient at both. But you know it, at the end of the day, it's what can your guys do.
0: Got you. Yeah, that. It makes sense, and I feel like over the the last few years, as I've listened and read to, to successful coaches like yourself, I've kind of heard that as sort of a common theme, you know, that you really have to adjust to what your players do, and it seems like the best coaches consistently are able to do that. Um, but, yeah, that, that it makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm going over something that you've said in the past. Um, I think it was sort of like a hypothetical question. Like if you had an hour practice, I, I believe that you said that you would spend – about 40 minutes on technique and 20 minutes on scheme and in that hypothetical just you know it seems like it kind of carries over to what you said because if if you are teaching a little bit more scheme like that or excuse me technique as opposed to scheme doesn't it make sense that if the players are very technically sound that they're able to transition that into whatever scheme that you're implementing is that does that make sense and does that sort of kind of coincide with why you believe that is because technique kind of carries over into scheme
1: yeah the, the big thing for uh, us in that regard has always been if if things are going south right I mean, if it, if things start to go bad okay always go back to technique and fundamentals like during the course of the game right you're trying to fix a problem during the game you're trying to come up with a solution during the game a lot of times it's like hey get back to taking a good pass set, right? Or trust your set, or let's get back to working our footwork the way it needs to be. Let's make sure our hand placement is where You know, the little things are that are, that are so critical, um, that, that are not necessarily the X's and O's, if you will, it's the, like I got, one of the ways I like to put it is you, you have, and this is a, a fine line that you have to walk as a, as a coach, and particularly as an offensive line coach is, the uh you got a tightrope that you walk between who tos and how tos okay the 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 who tos being the scheme right who who do i block who am i responsible for i think you know if you're anytime a play is called from a from a thought progression standpoint right anytime a play is called as an offensive lineman you think okay who do i need to block Right. A lot of that depends on the front identification and the combo calls and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's who do I, who am I responsible for? You want to make sure that you're, that you're, you know, uh, uh you know, tracking the right hat in other words. Right. Right. Uh, then the next part of that is the how to's. Okay. So how do I go about doing my job? Okay. And that's your technique and fundamentals. Now, as from the progression standpoint, you know, it, Again, play is called, uh, if you're a no huddle team, you know, you're at the line of scrimmage, you hear the player. If you're in the huddle, you get the play and you're going up to the line of scrimmage. And the first thing you're thinking is of who tos, right. Uh, but then you have to have the how tos that've got to take over. Right. So, um, and that's kind of contradictory a little bit to what I was saying about if I had an hour of practice, I would like to spend two thirds of the practice on the how tos and a third of the practice on the who tos. Um, but you, but you have to, you have to make an emphasis somewhere. You know, what I mean, I can't just split. If I just split it straight down the middle, or if I, if you want, if you spend all your time on who tos, you know, your guys could get up on the on the chalkboard or on the grease board and they could draw up all the plays you wanted them to draw up, and they'd be targeting the right direction and all that stuff. Okay, uh, but you get out on the field, they don't know how to do it. If you spend all of your time on technique and fundamentals, but your guys don't know who to block. You're, you're going to be ineffective as well. So you know there there is a balance between the two, but at the end of the day, technique and fundamentals will always carry you through. Uh, and kind of like what you're saying is that 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 the, the common theme amongst skiing is solid technique and fundamentals. So if you if you had you know to make a choice, you'd want to lean more towards spending time teaching the how tos and then making sure your guys know the who tos as well. But spending time on how to do it now when you get to a certain level with a player and a lot of this comes with experience. Okay. Because as a, as a, as a rookie, for instance, you know, guys or guys they just start to operate in the who to face. Who do I got to block? Who do I got to block? block? It's all they're thinking. And, you know, the, the how to's are not second nature to them. So they're, so their their technique and fundamentals are all over the place. Right. So you try to develop the fundamentals so that they become second nature where they don't have to think about the fundamentals. They can just yeah. think about, you know, their, their their, assignments. Okay. Now, you get to a point where a player becomes, they start operating on the Y level, right? And what I, I always say when they operate on the Y level is when the guy understands, has a great understanding of his 111th, right? There's 11 guys on the field. So each guy is doing about 9%, right? Uh, nine, so whatever my 111th is of this play. Uh, How does it fit within the general scheme of the offense as well as inside my 111th that I'm trying to execute? What can the defense do or what is the defense telling me they're about to do based on their alignment, based on, you know, um, uh, safety rotation? There's a lot of things that come into play with it. But you can start to then predict how the defense is going to fit into the – and that's why I say you start operating on a why level. You understand the whys of what you're doing. And those guys generally have experience uh, is a great, is a great uh, uh, factor when operating on the Y level, you know, because experience matters.
0: Yeah. And I think that's when you really start getting into the, the special guys, you know, when they're at the top of their game um, for, for sure. And it's, it's fascinating to to think about this and to break this down, especially from a psychological level, you know, when you're talking about uh, you know, when, when stuff hits the fan, you know the the old Mike Tyson quote that everybody loves. You know everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, and and when that happens, you revert back to your training or your practice, and that right. is your technique and fundamentals. And it's it's kind of a it's an un, um, an involuntary choice. You know that's something like right. if, you know it's just uh, you don't you, you don't think about it, and um, you know so that really it it makes it makes the importance of practice and how you practice that much more important uh come game day and really that's gonna so that it makes sense to me to to focus more on the technique and fundamentals for that reason because really like you know coming up to the line and identifying the front these are all things that you're consciously thinking of and you know it's the the who tos but the how tos really that type that type of stuff has to come before you ever even get onto the field um so Yeah. Well
1: one of the things that uh, with Charles Bentley and I've uh, talked about and, and with Charles really kinda of opened my eyes to this whole concept is the idea of, you know, the, the human body, right, the way your, your 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 brain works, just uh from the time you kinda you know, come out of the womb, right, is that you have primal instincts and your response to, to the most primal instincts that we have protection, uh uh, uh you know, you know, finding uh, ways to eat, right? What am I going How am I gonna feed myself, right? The survival mode is fight or flight. Okay, that's that's it. You, you know, that's why that's way all we're all geared is towards fight or flight. You either gonna if you're challenged with something, you're either gonna fight it, or you're gonna run from it, right? You're gonna protect yourself. But that, that is our primal. That's our instinctual response to uh, stress is fight or flight. Okay, so what we've got to do is train our bodies where our second nature, if you will, because your first nature is fight or flight. Well, fight or flight doesn't work on the football field. It doesn't. Like some people say, well, fight works on the football field. No, it does. If you've ever seen somebody that's really fighting for their life, right? It's
0: wild. Right? They're
1: yeah. yeah, they're out of control. There's no technique <laughs> right. and fundamentals to when you're fighting for your life. Okay, so, so what we have to do is train ourselves – to where our second nature is our technique and fundamentals, you know. And so when it's third down and 17, or third down and 12, uh, and you've got, uh, you know, the, the the top pass rusher in, in your in your conference lined up across from you, and it's the middle of the fourth quarter, and you know you're, or maybe you're in a two minute situation, and and uh, you know that that guy's going to be screaming off the football. You, know, you better have solid technique and fundamentals as your second nature at that point because if not, you're going to just flail at this guy. You're going to lose uh, lose your lose your your technique and you get into a into a fight syndrome because you're just trying to survive and that doesn't work on the football field. So we've got to train that 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 uh, that second nature.
0: Yeah, so my time in the military is a, is a really good parallel to what you're talking about um as far as training being you know what you rely on when things get extremely high stress and and you you really aren't thinking about anything at that time you're just kind of going into your almost like a subconscious state and you're relying on what you were taught prior to that in preparation for it and that's really why you know how you practice is how you play that that sort of stuff really has a lot of merit to it because you know when when you the situation you just described how it's such like a stressful moment for you. You really aren't thinking clearly, so you have to rely on what you were taught. So I think, you know, there's there's just a tremendous amount of uh, credibility, I think, to what you're saying, and, you know, I think being able to ingrain that into your players is, uh, you know, obviously going to set them up for success um, come game day, but, you know, and I think one of the ways to do this successfully is to make things really simple and, you know, as, or as simple as we can, And I think one of the things that I think that that you've said in the past is, you know, when you're set, when you're rep, you know, something as simple as that. Um, Can you talk a little bit about just the, you know, when you're when you're talking to your players, when you're teaching your players um, how to sort of view, you know, an individual play? And when you say something like when you're set, like, can you know, I I think I know what you mean, but can you just talk a little bit about what that does and what that means for the player and kind of how that can kind of simplify things for them?
1: yeah we we try to use um you know uh, kind of key phrases uh, over and over and over again the same phrases over and over to try to drill home the the point of um you know what the point we're trying to get across so like for instance when we say when you're set when you're rep right if 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 uh if you're in a in a bob situation you're in a big on big situation a man on man situation it's no different Uh, than one-on-one pass pro you know uh, in in I know that there's a a lot of discussion uh, nowadays about the value of one-on-one pass pro and i and and I do agree that it's a you know it's a kind of a defensive gear drill I mean it's I say it's third down and 15 for that defender every time and and that just about every time that guy's got two-way go and all the issues that come along with it but but at the end of the day okay we're going to have a third down and 12. They're going to have a third down and 15 in the game. So you got to prepare for those things, right? So one of the things that we try to uh, drill home with our players is if I take a good set, okay, uh, and we, we, we talk a lot about setting the defender, right? We don't just set to space, in other words. Uh, I'm taking a set off of uh, that defender's alignment. And uh, But if I take a good set, Okay, I've set myself up for success for this play. All right? Um, you know, when the ball is snapped, okay, one thing that's going to be uh, consistent across the board, regardless of what position you play, whether you're playing offensive line, whether you're playing quarterback, whether you're playing DB, linebacker, whatever. When the ball is snapped, everybody's feet are going to move. Okay. Nobody's going to be standing still for the most part. I mean, unless you're trying to, you know, fake somebody out or whatever, but, but everybody's feet are going to be moving. Okay. So we call that the we call that our on-snap footwork, right? Your on-snap footwork, because the average football play is, you know, four to six seconds long, right? That's what we always talk about. Hey, you, know, if you, have, you have unbelievable focus for six seconds because the average play is about six seconds long. Okay. Think about how important that first second is. Of the play, that's your on snap footwork. Okay, so if I can position myself, uh, regardless of what I'm trying to accomplish for that play, uh, but my on snap footwork, whether it's taking a, a pass set, whether it's a zone, you know, taking an outside zone step, whether it's a baseball step, a cutoff step, whatever, my on snap footwork is so critical to my per, me, me putting myself in position to be successful on that play. So when we say win your set, win the rep, if you if you take a great set, you've got a great opportunity now to win that rep. And you know in our in our program here at the University of Texas, we talk about being one and zero. That's kind of a, a, a in our, with ingrained in our culture, right? Is on every snap I want to go one and zero. And if I can go one and zero, the more one and I can, the more plays I can win where I can go one and zero the better success we're going to have. Right. So what's the best way for me to set myself up for success on the play is with my on snap footwork. And, uh, so we try to use terms and, 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 you know, be consistent with the way we're coaching it so that they, they that you drill that point home. You know, another thing with pass protection that we use is get them to a second move, you know? And, uh, and, uh, so that, that is, that is a, uh, Uh, an idea that, that, Hey man, if if I know what this guy's go-to move is, right. Which goes to my, we call it KYP, know your personnel. If I, if I have an idea of what this guy's go-to deal is, if I can get him to his second move, the ball should be out. You know what I mean? I don't want I just don't, don't, don't don't get beat quick. In other
0: words, you know, I got the idea
1: get run over slowly. You know what
0: I'm saying? Die slowly. But, uh,
1: But, yeah. <laughs> but if I can get the guy to his second move again, I should I, I should have some success on the play, right? And uh, and it, but it starts with hey, man, I got to win my set to win my rep. My goal is to get this guy to his second move, and uh, and you know uh, hopefully that that's going to allow us to have success on that snap, and then you move on to the next play. You know, so th- those are just some things that we talk about, like on snap footwork, how important that is to set yourself up for success and and those sort of concepts. But again, it's, it's, it's little cues, like you're saying, little tiny little cues for them to think about. It's not, you know, you don't want a dissertation on it. In other words, you want it to be something succinct that they can grasp on.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, that that knowing your personnel is and just kind of advanced scouting the opponent. That's something that I, I really enjoy personally doing, and it's something that I just got to do for this uh, this event called the Offensive Line Masterminds event, uh, or uh, up in up in Dallas right. actually. And that's basically, why I went was yeah, because
1: I got I to get Duke to not run that during my vacation, <laughs> so I can actually
0: go. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we man, it would be it would be awesome to have you. I know. Uh, it was it was great this year, and, and really a big part of it was, you know, me going ahead advanced scouting these pass rushers and determining what is their go-to move, and then we kind of have a discussion in a classroom setting about it. And I think it adds a lot of value to, to guys' preparations, you know, when you're able to, to know your opponent that way. And, it, you know, it all kind of ties together with what you're talking about. But um, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, you know, because we can obviously go in a lot of directions here is, uh, I thought this was really interesting and, and it, just the terminology that you use as opposed to, you know, most coaches have like a depth chart and I know you've talked about having a matrix um, as opposed to that. Um, can you talk a little bit about the the thinking behind that and, and sort of um, um, why you tend to refer to your depth chart as a matrix um, and, and just kind of the value in that?
1: Yeah, it, 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 the way that... Uh the term, the matrix came around was, uh, uh, when you have a lot of, we had a lot of moving parts at one time, you know, and we still try to, we stri- we try to cross train as many people as we can to be multiple in their positions. Okay. Because that will allow you to create a create depth with fewer players. Okay. So, um, you know, we, we have, um, you know, 15, sometimes 16 scholarship offensive linemen here, that's our roster number, okay? Well, that doesn't mean that all 15 or 16 of those guys are ready to play at the level that you need to win the Big 12 championship, okay? Uh, You might have eight or nine at any given time that you say, okay, we can, these guys are ready to play. right, now, so what what you're always kind of searching for is who's who's our, our third tackle? Right? So you'd like to have three tackles, and you'd like to have three guards, who is your third guard? And you'd like to have two centers. okay, so that's if you, you know you do the math, that's eight guys, right? So you'd like to determine who your top eight are. Now, if you had ten across the board and every backup was uh, very proficient at their job, and you felt great about just trading the 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 backup for your starter. And you'd never have any issues. You'd be like, okay, well, I got to take these 10 guys unless somebody gets hurt then you got to figure out who the next guy is. But what we like to do is we always want to have our top five guys on the field. So when you're cross-trained players, right, and you have guys that can play multiple positions, one, it allows you to, um, again, create depth with fewer players. And then two, uh, it allows you to always have your best five on the field. So... In other words, if if the center, if our center, you know, uh, stubs his toe, uh, our, our next best move might be taking, you know, our left guard and putting him at center. And then who's the next best guy to go in at left guard? Well, maybe it's your backup right guard who's your third guard. You need to have him ready to play both spots. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, and same thing with the tackle position and so on. So you try to cross-train. Guys, to make sure that that you always have the opportunity to get your best five guys on the field. Now, in practice, what we do, and this is where the term matrix came up, it was it was one of our guys when I was at Vanderbilt uh, matrix because we 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 script out every one of our reps uh, of team of anytime we're going against the defense or if we're in a scout team situation as well. We script out every one of the reps as to who is in at all five spots so you know if I'm sitting there and I say I I never want to walk off the practice field in other words and say oh hey before practice hey let's make sure we get uh, Derek Kerstetter right let's make sure he gets some center work today and then you walk off the practice field two hours later and you go oh crap I forgot to put him in at center We, we want to remove all variables in that regard so we script it all out so you know Derek Kerstetter might take uh, the first uh, role of a team, he might be in at right guard, okay? And then, uh, then, then you know, you, you roll through your next rotation, and then the next time he goes in, he's in at center. And you go through the rotation, and the next time he goes in, he's at right tackle uh, or at left tackle or so on and so forth so that, you know, you script it out, though, so that you never walk off the field going, oh, man, I meant to get this guy some work at, left guard today and I forgot to because that's a wasted opportunity so we try to remove all of the very vari- you know the, the variables of that by scripting everything out and so they called this sheet was called the matrix because it was all you know there's a it was a little bit helter skelter at times just because there's a lot of moving parts with it but at the end of the day when you have a, an, a, a you know an injury occur again you're you can you can transition it seamlessly almost you like to hope so and you know, I go back to my last year at Auburn. Uh, you know, we had, a, we had an offensive line unit. We were, we were finalists for the Joe Moore Award that year. But there was a point in that season where I, I want to say it was seven straight games where we had a different starting lineup because of injuries. You know, a guy, guy gets rolled up, guy, you know, tweaked his ankle, whatever, um, and you had to move parts. Now, the guy that allowed us to do a lot of that was a guy named Austin Golson who that year started a game in one season. He started a game at every position but right guard. That Braden Smith, that right guard, is now with the Colts. And Braden Braden was kind of our stalwart, right? He never never had any issues. But everywhere else, we had something happen where Austin Golson had to go in and start a game at a different position week after week after week. Well, if you didn't train that way, your transition is a lot tougher. And so even if a guy gets, you know, throughout the course of training camp, let's say that Derek Kerstetter, he's kind of our guy this year. He's a, he's a guy that can play all five spots, which is, which is of great value, right? And so, you know, if he gets 25 reps in training camp at left guard and all of a sudden week six, because of whatever happens, all of a sudden he's got to be the starting left guard or in the middle of a game. He's got to go to left guard. Those banked reps that we got back in training camp are going to be really valuable. So we just try to do as much of that as possible, and that's why we call it the matrix, So instead of a, really a depth chart. You do have a depth chart, but it's more about like a, bas- it's almost like a basketball depth chart. Who's our sixth man? Who's our seventh man? You know, right. rather than, uh, the, okay, the left guard uh, needs a blow, so let's just put the backup left guard there. That, 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 that may not necessarily be your sixth guy. And you always right. want to have your top five players on the field, and that's kind of the, the theory behind it.
0: Yeah, that's a really uh, I think like an industrious way of going about it. You know, it's really um, you know it, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, for 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 that to to have occurred during a year when you had one of the best offensive lines in the country at Auburn, I mean, that's just you know that that's kind of uh, the the whole point of it, right there. You know, coming to fruition. So. Um, that's, that's really awesome stuff. Thanks for uh, kind of breaking that down for us, coach. And, you know, I don't want to take too much more of your time. So uh, we'll just, I think, end it here. And maybe we could do this another time again and talk about some other stuff. But for what you provided this time, I think this was outstanding and people are really going to enjoy this and get a lot of insight from it. So uh, coach, thank you uh, very much for your time.
1: Again, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me on. I, I, I'm you know, appreciative of the opportunity and and again, I think it's great what you're doing for the online community in general. All
0: right, coach. Thank you. All right, guys. We've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com dot slash Blue Wire to save ten dollars on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors, it's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's, claim your trial offer, by going to harrys.com slash blue wire all of harry's blades come with a hundred percent quality guarantee if you don't love your shave let them know and they'll give you a full refund again make sure you go to harrys.com slash blue wire to redeem your razor for three dollars all right everybody i hope you enjoyed that interview with coach hand um, it's it's great to be back doing this podcast again after some technical difficulties and just some time off, but as the football season kicks off here shortly, um, we're going to be back here doing this on a weekly basis, and yeah, just uh, expect guests throughout the season, uh, much like the summer went, and uh, another topic that has come up recently was the Offensive Line Masterminds event that I got to go to for the second year in a row up in Frisco, Texas at the the Star, which is basically the Cowboys headquarters. Um, it was a, an amazing event that was put on by Duke Mannyweather and uh, Eagles right tackle Lane Johnson. Um, but yeah, I got to go there and provide film uh, for all the players for each day, began in the classroom watching the film on top pass rushers in the NFL. I went through and watched every pass rush rep of these guys and basically recorded, cut, and edited video on their most used move and then their m- most used secondary move and then some in some cases a third and a fourth move. And then just some random moves that were in there throughout the year. Um, And then also best practices of offensive linemen, offensive line reps that they were actually able to stop some of these moves and what they did to do that. And then I also wrote an advanced scouting report on each guy as well. So that was a really cool opportunity to actually have that assignment given to me uh, by Duke and to be entrusted to do that for the players it's it's one of the the best things that I get to do all year and it was another huge success the event in general uh we had a, a even a bigger turnout this year than last and i mean just the, the the notes that i got from that from hearing all the guys talk was incredible and just to kind of be in that environment it was just uh it was inspiring and I'm going to be able to share some of these notes in the ensuing podcast that are going to be coming out, so make sure you're staying tuned for that. I'm going to do more of a recap on that here shortly, but I wanted to come back and you know hit you with this interview first because I felt like Coach Hand was somebody who who a lot of people wanted to hear from, and he was one of my favorite guys to talk to, so I thought that would be a great way to come back initially, but... But again, just uh, make sure you're you're tuned in, subscribe to this show. And we're going to again, starting uh, th- this week, we're, you know, throughout the year, we're going to have this this podcast coming to you uh, centered around all things offensive line play. So make sure you're staying tuned. And uh, again, thank you for listening.